0: Welcome to the Kerwin Baptist Church broadcast today. Our desire is for the Word of God to be spread throughout the world so that all may know Christ. Join us now for a portion of one of our services here at Kerwin Baptist Church located in Kernersville, North Carolina. John chapter 14, Jesus said this, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. That phrase, let not your heart be troubled. That is easier said than done. Um, you know, obviously, I think this morning, I think your brother Ray, you get report that you got lung cancer. Let not your heart be troubled is not the phrase that's on your mind right then. And it's easy to sit there and say, hey, let not your heart be troubled things are going great and your life's okay. But we got a whole bunch of people here in church that have some things, some major things going on in their life, in their marriage, in their relationships in their job, whatever the case might be. And yet Jesus said that we can live in a way that our heart can prevent or uh, literally avoid being troubled. And I'm going to dig in to show you what these words really mean. And and the answer, He said, you believe in God, believe also in Me. And then in all these verses in between here and verse 27, He gives you the reason why that your heart can keep from being troubled. Whatever's going on. Now look at verse 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So he says, whatever's going on in your life, and I'm here to encourage you this morning, that we can get to the point as a Christian that although there's trouble, our heart doesn't have to be troubled. In the midst of problems and trouble and 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 things that can go on, that our heart doesn't have to be troubled with the trouble. Amen. And not only that, it doesn't have to be afraid with what's going on. Now, I have found that times I you know I, I would keep thinking about this phrase because I've got some things in my life. I've got some physical things going on, and and I had to you know yeah Friday had to go get some blood work and things, and and man it was an all day thing. It felt like back and forth and. And would you believe my doctor prescribed Ambien to me? And I'm not going to take it. I am not going to take it until tonight. And uh, <laughs> I've never taken it. I don't know anything about it. But my doctor just describes and swears up and down. I'm sleep deprived and different things. And i got some other things going on. And I tell my wife, I, said, I don't know if I'm going to take Amy, and I, you can get addicted to that. I don't know. Listen, i got things going on. you got things going on. we got some people with really major things going on. So how in the middle of all things, what we call life, how do you get to the point that your heart is not troubled and you are not afraid? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he gives it all right here. He doesn't just say it. He says it, and then he gives you all the reasons why. Now, the first six verses of chapter 14 are very, very well-known and famous, but we're going to deal with some more this morning. And uh, let me explain this before we pray and dig into it. What is the context? What is the setting of John chapter 14, verse 1? Jesus shares this chapter, these verses, right after. He made the following announcements in the chapters before. Now listen to me. This is what's going on. First he talked about the fact that he would be departing, the departure of the Savior. He said, I am going to be leaving, and that was very troublesome to the disciples. Second he talked about the dishonesty of Judas, and we saw that and how Judas had betrayed him. Then he talked about, as they sung about today, the denial of Peter. And all these things had been going on. Judas had, had had given him up basically to be crucified and Peter had denied him and cursed openly right at the time that Jesus was getting ready to give his life for our sins. And now they find out after after all this that Jesus is gonna be a leaving, he's gonna leave them. They thought at that time that Jesus was gonna set up his kingdom on earth and that they were doing all this and that this was all gonna take place and he was gonna take care of all these evildoers and all the people that had persecuted They were all gonna see, but then they found out that wasn't the plan. He was going into heaven, leaving them there. So their hearts were troubled here. And by the way, maybe you're sitting here this morning and your heart's troubled too. Maybe you've gotten some news and maybe things haven't worked out like you thought that it would. And maybe some people have have stabbed you in the back like Judas did to the Savior. And maybe some people have disappointed you like Peter disappointed the Savior. And maybe you've got some trouble sometimes in your life right now. Well, he says in verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. We want to preach on this subject today, obviously, confident though confused. Lord, we love you. I pray that you'd bless our time together. We really need you in Jesus' name. Amen. This phrase, let not your heart be troubled, before we dig into it, let me explain what it means. That word troubled is the Greek word tarasso. Now, What does it mean, preacher? It means to stir or to agitate as in boiling water. Jesus looks at me and says, let not your heart be troubled. And folks, if you're not careful, things in our life can begin to stir and agitate. And then you apply heat to that and all of a sudden it's like water that's just getting stirred and agitated and you see those little tiny bubbles. If you ever boiled water, like to do pasta or something, whatever the case would be, and you see those little tiny bubbles and all of a sudden then it begins to rise, then it begins to boil and that's what he's talking about here. If you're not careful, life can get to you and you can agitate you and then you can begin to boil and before long it's stirring you and agitating you. And he said, don't let that happen to you. That means whatever comes there should be a peace in your life as a Christian. Amen. So how could God look at these guys and tell them, don't let your heart be troubled? Number one, I want you to see here this morning, and I hope that this will help you. Number one, in verse one, I want you to see the power that is sovereign. This is why he says, listen, you don't need, your heart doesn't need to be troubled. Notice what he says, ye believe in God, believe also in me. Now, that word believe is the Greek word pistueo, and it means this it means to have faith in, it means to entrust, it means to commit, it means to literally give everything you have because a person has credited themselves or they have proven themselves. It means to entrust, to respect. It means this that God says, listen, you trust, you believe in God, then you need to trust me because you don't need to let your heart be troubled because if you know me like you're supposed to know me, you know that I'm not gonna allow anything to happen to you that shouldn't happen to you. The power that is sovereign. Look at me, folks, I want you to get this. One thing that I'd encourage you this morning is this. God is sovereign. He has power over everything and everybody. And if God does not want such and such to happen in your life, it won't. Yes, sir. That's right. Sure. Yeah. Listen to me. God is sovereign. You believe in God, Christ said. Believe also in me. Let me tell you something. Don't be troubled because I'm leaving. Don't be troubled because of all these things that have happened. Don't, don't be troubled by what you see right now. You believe in God, you believe in me. Trust me. Amen. God is sovereign. I don't know about you, but it's nice to know. Although I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, He does. And although I don't know how to fix the problems in my life right now, He does. He is sovereign. And we need to be reminded of that. Dear friend, you can take on God if you want to, but you're going to lose. God is sovereign. The power that is sovereign. He said, Let me tell you one way to keep your hearts from being troubled. You remember that I'm sovereign. Number two, he says this not only the power that is sovereign, but number two, in verse two, he talks about the place that is secured. He, look at verse two. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you, you know one thing that ought to encourage you and I this morning. No matter what happens in our life, if you're saved and you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, heaven is your home. Amen. It's not going to be your home; it is already your home. Yes, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. Do you yes. realize you all? If you've been saved, you already have residence in heaven. That's right. Amen. You already have. Listen a real particular place that you're going to live for an eternity. It's either been prepared or is being prepared right now. Can you believe that? Our minds, we just think in heaven is this. No, it's it's really there right now. You have a place. And that ought to encourage you. Notice verse 2, number one, we see it's a promised place. He says, in my house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. It's promised. Second, it's prepared. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. So it's a promised place. It's a prepared place. Third, it's a personal place. It's for you, verse 2 says. I'm going to be honest with you. Look at me. Worst scenario, you die best scenario for you, you die. Now I didn't really fully understand that, and I probably still don't. I'm not faced with things. I might, I might soon. Who knows? Who knows what any of our future holds? But, but having now watched a loved one, a mom, go through this different things, I realize that when you get to that point in this old life with all its aches and its pains and its sickness and all these things, look at me. I'm going to tell you something. You get to the point that you realize Heaven is looking better every day, and dear friend, the worst that Satan could possibly do to you is to hurt the body, but he cannot touch your soul. There is a place that is secured in your life. That I'd encourage you this morning. Your heart don't need to be troubled. Worst case, I'm with the Lord. Best case, I'm with a bunch of idiots, you know, kind of a thing. If I live and, oh, i got to be around this whole group again, hey, I get to go to heaven. Number three, get off that one real quick, okay. Number three, I want you to see the pledge that is sacred. Look at verse three. And if I go and prepare a place for you. Now, he just said in verse two, there's a place that is secured. And then in verse three, he says, now, if I go and prepare a place for you, notice the pledge that he gives us that is sacred. I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there ye may be also. You know what ought to encourage you? Look at me. It's not just that he's prepared a place, but what ought to encourage you is that he is coming back. He pledges three things here. Notice this. Number one, he pledges to come back for us. He will not leave us stranded. Number two, he pledges that when he does, we are guaranteed to be accepted. He said, I will receive you unto myself. That means this, it's not based on what you accomplish. It's not by the time I come back, did you earn such and such and did you do such and such? If you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he's preparing a place for you and he's gonna come back for you. And when he does, you are guaranteed acceptance. Right. Amen. Right. Exactly right. Number three. He pledges that we will be going with him and will always be with him from then on. He says, where I am, there ye may be also. So think about this. He's preparing a place. That ought to encourage you. What ought to also encourage you is that he has made a pledge to us that he's going to come back. And when he comes back, we're guaranteed acceptance if we've been saved by the grace of God and not only that, he is going to receive us to himself and from then on we are going to be where he is. Amen. Thank God. Number three. Number four, excuse me. I want you to see the path that is simple. Now we're getting to the nitty gritty. How can you let your heart not be troubled through this stuff, through life, through all the things you face? Notice if you would, verse six. And I'm going to read these couple verses because I think it's great for you. Verse 3, he says, I go and prepare a place for you. Look at verse 4. And whither I go ye know, and the way ye know. Look at verse 5. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Now, it's just a simple question, and and, and it's an understandable question. Now, Jesus has just unloaded the Brinks truck on them that I'm going to be leaving, you're going to be here by yourself, and all these things have happened, and all of a sudden Thomas says, well, then, if you're leaving, how can we know the way, and and how do we know what we're supposed to do? Notice in Verse 6, look look what Jesus says. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, we always obviously use this on salvation. I am the way. He is the only way to heaven. He's the only way to salvation. That is absolutely true. But I want you to understand something. That word way, and this is where I learned a little bit. In verse 6, that word way is the Greek word hadas. And it means this, it means a road, it means a route, it means the mode and the means for the journey. So the way is not just how I'm supposed to go. When Jesus said, I'm the way, it means this, I'm not just going to show you how to go, I'm going to take care of you while you travel. I am not just going to tell you the route. I'm going to take care of you while you're traveling the route. I'm going to open the doors as you are traveling. I'm going to make a way where there needs to be a way. I'll part the waters of the Red Sea. I'll move mountains, whatever I have to do, because I'm the way. Amen. When things happen in your life and you're confused, you don't know what to do, let me tell you something. Jesus is not just the way to salvation. He's the way after salvation. He is not just the way to be saved. He's the way to live after you're saved. He is the way. He, that's how you travel. He is the truth. It's what you believe. He is the life. It's how you live. He's everything. Let me tell you something. You don't have to understand what's going on tomorrow. Why? Because He's the way. You are not the way. You say, well, I man, you know, I got this decision to make within a couple weeks and I don't really know what I'm supposed to do and I'm just struggling over this thing. Don't struggle. He's the way. It's simple. The path is simple. Don't get confused. Don't get troubled. Don't let things begin to stir and agitate and and take the joy out of your life. You don't have to know the way. Why? Because you know the truth. He's the way. He's the truth. He is literally the life. I want you to notice number five, and I'm going through these quickly this morning. Verse 13 and 14, he gives us our next reason why our hearts should not be troubled. He talks about the prayer that is sure. Now, this is where it really gets applicable to our lives. When you don't know what to do, the path is simple. He's the way, the truth, and the life. But notice this in verse 13. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, that ought to encourage you when you see that God has made some promises to you about your prayer life. Now, let's dig in. Number one, I want you to see the scope of what he said. He said, whatsoever ye shall ask in my name. Whatsoever. There's no reason why you can pray for such and such and you can't pray for such and such. Can I give you some advice? Pray about everything in your life. Pray about everything. He said, "Whatsoever." Notice, second, the secret. He said, "In my name, whatsoever ye shall ask in my name." People say, "Why is it such a big deal?" Because we, you know, we go to all this law and we have rallies about being able to pray in Jesus' name. Oh, because it makes all the difference in the world. Amen. Because God says, if you're going to pray, you've got to pray in my name, in the name of Jesus. That's the secret. Notice third, the surety. He said, that will I do, verse 13. Verse 14, he said, I will do it. So we've seen the scope, the secret, the surety. So you say, all right, preacher, I don't know what to do. when I have trouble come into my life, and I know I can go to God, and I can get answers to my prayer. Well, notice the significance, the last thing. He said in verse 13, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Look at me. It is sure that you're going to get what you pray for if what you're praying for will bring glory to the Father. If what you're praying for will not bring glory to the Father, then the Son won't do it. Does that make sense? Everybody says, hey, no, here's the secret to getting what you want. No, 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 no. The Bible says that you can get what glorifies the Father. That's the whole point of prayer. And dear friend, I'm here to tell you, when you have trouble going on in your life, what ought to be important for you anyway is that God gets the glory. What ought to be important to you anyway is that whatever God wants to happen, happens. So you've got got something that ought to encourage you today. I can go and I can get down on my knees in the midst of all this trouble, in the midst of a bad health report, whatever the case might be, and I can get down and say, God, I want want you to be glorified. And I am praying for your will. You know what's best? God, you do it. I want you to notice number 6, the promise of the spirit. This is exactly what they were singing about today. Look if you would at verse 16. Now remember, this is all about Jesus saying, don't let your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. Here's why. Here's why. Here's why. Look at verse look at verse 16. And I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Remember, Jesus just said I'm leaving. But the Father is going to give you the comforter. Look at verse 17. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, because ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. That means when we're saved, the Holy Spirit's in us. Why? Because Jesus said that's what was going to happen. Now look at verse 18. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Now look at me. How can Jesus say, I will not leave you comfortless, but he's in heaven? Well, how can he he honor that promise? Because he gave us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. Jesus is God. God the Father is God. And Jesus said, I'm going to heaven, but I'm not gonna leave you comfortless. I will be with you through the person of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know why why your heart shouldn't be troubled? Look at me, because you're not alone. You're not going through this by yourself. It's not as if you got nobody that can help you through whatever you're going through. You literally have God living in your life. He is all-powerful. That should encourage you. I don't know what's happening in your life today, but I'm going to be honest with you, it doesn't even really matter. Greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. Now notice this. I want you to think, look at this as the whole promise of the Holy Spirit. Look down at verse 25, and I'm going to apply this to you. Look at verse 25. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. In other words, Jesus said, I've just told you that the Holy Spirit's coming, although I'm still with you. Look at verse 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. So now let's take these verses and what has He promised us about the Holy Spirit? Number one, I want you to see His person. Look at verse 17. He said, another comforter, which means that the person of the Holy Spirit is that He is part of the Trinity. He is not the only comforter. He's another comforter. Amen. Notice this also. He is in the next verse the Spirit of truth. Right. That's His person. Who is the Holy Spirit? He is God and He is truth. And that means when you go against the truth, the Holy Spirit's going to let you know in your life. That means when you hear something that's not true, the Holy Spirit's going to put something inside of you that says, that doesn't sound right. And there's a whole bunch out there today that doesn't sound right. And people are flocking to it. Why are so many people going to it, preacher? Well, because sometimes the Holy Spirit doesn't even live inside of them. The Bible said it was going to happen in the latter days. Now, notice, that's his person. Number two, what's his purpose? Look at his purpose. Look at verse 16. Number one, his purpose is to comfort. He says another comforter. He is there to comfort us. The Holy. You know what? I'd encourage you, look at me. Let not your heart be troubled. You have living inside of you as a Christian what you need to get comfort for whatever you're going through. That's right. Amen. His purpose, his very purpose is to comfort you. Notice second, his purpose is to teach. Look at verse 26. He shall teach you in all things, the Holy Spirit. That means this, you get in God's Word and the Holy Spirit will teach you. And He'll show you truth. Why? Because He is the Spirit of truth. Amen. He's there to comfort. He's there to teach. Notice also in verse 26, He's there to remind. Remind, preacher. What do you, I, I, I've heard the Spirit comforts and He teaches. What do you mean remind? Look if you would at verse 26. He said, He'll teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. What? Whatsoever I have said unto you. The Holy Spirit in your life reminds you what Jesus promised you. Amen. You don't have to be troubled because the very Holy Spirit living inside of your life, if you're saved, is yelling at you, God will take care of it. Yeah. God is sovereign. Trust Him. Why do I feel like I'm preaching to a brick wall today? Third, I want you to see this about the Holy Spirit. Verse 16, I want you to see not only His person, His purpose, but look at His permanence. Look at verse 16, the end. It says that He may abide with you when? Everybody now. Verse 6, forever. Do you realize, look, what, 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 what? Holy Spirit's not just here with us while we're here on earth. He's with us forever. What a gift. I, I, I bought my boys a whole bunch of things for Christmas. I think there might be one video game that they still play. The only thing left from Christmas. Everything else is broken or boring. When Jesus gave us the gift. Now think about this. Whatever Jesus does, it's always forever. When he breathed the breath of life into man, man became a living soul. He will live forever. When Jesus gives a gift, it lasts forever. He gave us the Holy Spirit. He will be with us forever. Now notice last. Now I want you to get this. His prerequisite. Look at verse 17. Notice what it says. Whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not. Look at me. This is what he said. He said, I don't want your hearts to be troubled. I'm going to give you the comforter. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. He's going to teach you. He's going to remind you. He's going to comfort you. But there is a prerequisite. You've got to be a Christian. You've got to be saved. Because the world can't have him. He's only for the saved. The world cannot receive him. Now, wow, what does all this mean? Look at verse 27, and I'll let you go this morning. Verse 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. For review, how did he say, don't let your hearts get troubled? He said, There's a power that is sovereign. There's a place that is secured. There's a pledge that is sacred. There's a path that is simple. There's a prayer that is sure. There's the promise of the Spirit. But notice this last. He promised a peace that satisfies. It means in the middle of whatever you've got going, He promised you peace. Now notice the verse. First we see it's a divine peace. He said, peace I leave with you, my peace my peace it's a divine peace you're not going to understand it because it's from God it's not your peace it's not my peace and it's not even the world's peace God said it's my peace yeah, amen. And that means this there are going to be people sometimes things are going to happen in their life and they're going to have peace about it and we're not going to understand how yeah, yeah. how can you act calm about what you're going through how can you not be worried Notice first, it's a divine peace. Second, it's a different peace. He said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth. It's different. It's not just divine, it came from God, but it is opposite of the peace that the world gives. Why? Because the peace the world gives only works when things are at peace. The peace the world gives is gone as soon as trouble comes. Have you ever talked to somebody and thought, you know, I don't know how. If you're not saved, if you're not a Christian, how do you go through the loss or the death of a loved one? Have you ever thought about that? I thought that when my mom died and the peace that passes understanding and all these things. You say, what do people do that don't know the Lord? Well, I'll tell you what they do. They try their best to experience the peace of the world. That's why so many times at a time like this, people do the weirdest things when their loved one dies. Why? Because they're trying to find peace. They'll say such and such. All of a sudden, they'll uproot and do such and such. Why? Because they're trying to do things to find peace. But when you're saved, that peace is different. Notice thirdly, it's a donated peace. He said, I give unto you. My peace, I give unto you. So what's the result of this? It's, it's, it's like bookends, folks. Verse 1, he says, let not your heart be troubled. And then he goes through the whole verse and gives you all these reasons why you shouldn't be troubled. You shouldn't let your problems get the best of you because look at what God's promised. All the way down to verse 27 where he says, I promise you peace. If all these other things do not even impress you, I'm gonna give you a peace that passes all understanding. It's a divine peace. It's different than the world can give you. And then he says in verse 27, let not your heart be troubled. It's book ends, don't let your heart be troubled. Here's all the reasons why and the reminder at the end, again, don't let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Thank you for listening today. We hope you received a blessing from our broadcast. The Kerwin Baptist Church is located at 4520 Old Hollow Road in Kernersville, North Carolina. You may also contact us by phone at 336-993-5192 or via the web at KerwinBaptistChurch.com. Enjoy our services live and all our media on our website and church app. Thank you for listening to the Kerwin broadcast today. God bless you.